I realized that when I would get down certain rabbit holes and start trying to find out what was going on and who's to blame and what motherfuckers we needed to take down, I realized that the story I was living out by those actions and by that focus, which isn't wrong, but the story I was living out was I'm unsafe and there's some big enemy out there that's against me and I've got to take him down. That's how we get looped back into war. It's a trick. It is a complete trick. Not that there's not an enemy, not that there's not unsafe things, but in terms of the actual battle against good and evil, it serves both factions to have you more and more extreme, to get people more and more extreme on each side. So it doesn't, in other words, when it comes to the war, it's actually not about this side or that side winning. The the puppeteering and the manipulation behind it is just to simply keep that lack functioning, to keep the world of lack and the matrix of lack functioning. Because we have to keep ourselves to some extent divided and and unaware that we have the ability to completely heal ourselves, that we have the ability to completely restore the planet. We have the ability that no human should starve. And we have to first know that within ourselves. We have to first reestablish our creative preference. We have to first evoke our will. There's so many things we have to do before we can go out into the world and do a damn thing. But we get caught in the war because we feel powerless and then we go out and create war or go out in the energy of war, which creates more war. So even though our intentions might be so good and because we really want change, we're actually falling right into the trap of mimic. Because it, it doesn't matter, even your enemy, even the complete polarized other side benefits from you being polarized on the opposite side. So the anomaly happens is when we transmute the war energy. And that's why I say making it way more about preference and less about this is the right ideology and this is the wrong one. This is, these are the good guys and this is the bad guy. No, what's your fucking preference? What's your preference? Why don't you explore what your preference has to offer the world? Your authentic preference, not the ones that are coming from influence of mimic, but your authentic preference because you came here to upgrade the world. Welcome to the Abundance Matrix Underground Podcast. My name is Amanda and I've worked as a mentor, teacher, and content creator for empaths, intuitives, and entrepreneurs for close to 10 years. With over 2 million views on YouTube, I've spent the last five years specifically teaching empaths how to stop sacrificing their authentic creative desires, include themselves in the equation, and thrive. I believe empaths are the center of creative expression on this planet, and my purpose with this podcast is to spark your psychic desires and connect you to a deeper understanding of your human tech and its pivotal role in creating heaven on earth. We are all psychic. And as we heal our psychic intimacy with ourselves, we heal it with each other and enter into a new golden age, a renaissance. When empaths become sovereign in their creative power, we break the psychic bonds of mimic that have been on this planet for thousands of years and anchor in the infinite potential of humanity's creative urge. I call this the underground podcast because I believe this conversation thrives when it's shared by word of mouth. I don't rely on fancy marketing techniques or ads. Instead, I want this podcast to grow organically through people like you sharing it with the people you believe it would resonate with. 
Because of people like you, my podcast was in the top 10 most followed and most globally shared in 2022. So thank you so much for my first year. I feel so grateful for all of you guys. I know that together we can grow deeper into our human tech, break out of mimic, and take back our sovereignty as creators. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's jump in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Abundance Matrix Underground Podcast. I am super excited for today's episode because I am sharing with you an excerpt from my King of Wands workshop, which is all about psychic preference. I believe that preference is deeply misunderstood and is the one thing that most empaths in particular have not fully discerned, particularly psychic preference. Now, I've been talking about our psychic gifts so much because I think humanity needs to understand that we're psychic in order to fully understand our gifts and what we're capable of, especially when it comes to building heaven on earth or vibrating at heaven on earth, the frequency of heaven on earth on this planet. And by the way, heaven on earth is not perfection. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions about heaven on earth. It's not a utopic perfectionist society. Heaven on earth is where we are fully alive in the body and we fully trust this experience. We fully trust the creative principle. We have a relationship with life. And in that relationship, we experience pleasure because we're able to say what feels good and we're able to say no to what doesn't feel good. Consent and preference is key to getting out of mimic. So I start off the whole King of Wands workshop with the topic of psychic preference because I think before we even can give permission, psychic permission or revoke psychic permission, we have to know what our preference is. I think preference is just so misunderstood. It's so undervalued, but it truly is the key to liberation from lack. So, and by the way, it takes a lot of um, courage. It takes a lot of just unapologetic love for the self to choose our preference. And Oftentimes, we do what we do, especially empaths. We do what we do because we're accommodating. And I think empaths psychically accommodate in ways that we don't even realize. I had someone in one of my groups use the word psychic accommodation. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. That's what it is. It's psychic accommodation. So I'm in the throes of my King of Wands workshop right now because I just started my new moon group, which is all um, on the King of Wands, and it's full, by the way, but there'll be other opportunities in the future. But my point is, I've been super deeply in this content, and I'm so lit up by it, and I'm going to be um, marketing it and really putting it out there in the next few months. It's it's available now, but the main thing is, I just wanted you guys to get a taste and an, um, kind of a clear picture, and also this particular audio that I'm sharing with you, it's just an excerpt from the course but it also has some really pointed questions for you that will help you start to identify what your psychic preference is. Psychic preference, by the way, includes how it feels in the body, the psychological relationship we have with whatever we're experiencing. And really, psychic preference is connected to meaning, the meaning we're giving things. And we can change the meaning we give things. This is all about expansion and conscious, our consciousness evolution, if you want to call it that. 
So I'm also excited because I am, I have a sell on my King of Wands workshop. I wanted to kick this off by offering the King of Wands workshop to people who maybe are on the fence about it. I am, the price on my Thinkific course is $111, but I'm actually from the 19th of April until the 23rd of April, it will be on sale for only $44. So it's more than 50% off. It's a really good time to get it. And by the way, it's a precursor um, to be able to join my new moon group. So if you're ever wanting to do mentoring with me in the future on these topics, you have to have taken this course anyway. So um, a really great time to purchase this course. And if you're interested in it, there's a promo code in the show notes of this episode that will give you a discount. And that promo code expires at midnight on Sunday, the 23rd of April. So just so you know, that information's there. I also wanted to offer for those of you who really want to take it, but maybe just don't have the extra money right now, I'm giving a, I'm doing a giveaway as well. So essentially the giveaway I'll announce on May 5th, So between now, which is April 19th is when this episode should air, April 19th to May 5th, there's there's a couple weeks in there, um, to, if you want to register to whatever you call it, if you want to win the giveaway, if you want to enroll to, to, um, potentially win the course for free, you, all you have to do is sign up for my, how to free your creative energy from mimic free course. It's a free online course on my thinkific. It's also in the show notes and you have to complete it. It's a very short course. It's a mini course. It's just three videos. It's actually really, it's packed full of information. And when you sign up, I'm able to see who's signed up and who's completed it. So you have to complete the course. In other words, just watch all the content, all three videos, and that will automatically enroll you in a giveaway for the King of Wands workshop, which I will announce on May 5th. I'll announce it here on my podcast. I'll also announce it in my Abundance Matrix Mastermind and on my YouTube channel. So if you're interested in getting the course for free, sign up for the How to Free Your Creative Energy from Mimic online course. It's free. It's really good. It's jam-packed, and it will kind of give you an intro to everything I teach honestly. So without further ado, I want to jump in today's episode, which is all about psychic preference. I would really love to hear any um, feedback you guys have about it. Always, as always, if you like the episode, if there's anything you really got out of it, feel free to tag me on Instagram or Facebook and let me know because I love hearing from you guys. All right. I hope you're doing well and have a great day. So when it comes to the body, psychic preference in the body, Here's some questions that will help you um, feel into that and get to know what your body's psychic preference is. And what I mean by that is, how does this psychic energy feel in my body, in my physical vessel? That's why I I asked those questions earlier. So how does this thought focus feel in my body? How do I feel in my body? How does my spirit feel in my body in general? These are just to provoke you to start paying attention. Our thoughts and our psychic focus manifest in our physical body. So everything starts out first and foremost as an energy and everything that has manifested in your, in your body has a spiritual equation, a thought equation to it. So what areas of your body, if any, are you uncomfortable with? Is there any area of your body that you just kind of feel like you want to pull away from or you feel shame about or you just don't like attention in that area or you just feel weird about in some way. 
super important because it's directly, directly connected to a psychic belief, most likely a core belief. And, and most likely a collective core belief, because that's how we hold each other hostage to it. The more of us that believe the same thing, like we're not enough, or the body is the enemy, or we have to punish humanity, then we do it to each other. We psychically reinforce that over and over. And that's how we use the victim-aggressor-savior paradigm as a weapon, as a manipulation weapon. So what area of your body are you most uncomfortable with? And it can be really powerful to go look up what that spiritually represents or kind of the um, the psychology around that part of your body because all of it has a psychological component. It'll give you massive insight into yourself. And then ask yourself, what area of my body am I most comfortable with? Where do I have the most ease? Maybe it's your whole body. Maybe you're lucky enough that you feel super comfortable in your body. People who are, feel really comfortable in their own skin and in their own body offer a massive, powerful heaven on earth code. And we need more and more and more and more people to hold that code. And it doesn't matter how you look. The more people that hold the code of I am comfortable in my own skin and I love my humanity, that's what hum- humanity is urging for, is a love of this experience rather than being at war with this experience. A love of the body rather than being at war with the body. So what areas of my body am I most comfortable with? A deeper question you can ask Um, but keeping it in the sense of your physical body is what chakras are closest to these areas that I'm either most comfortable with or most uncomfortable with. So ask yourself, so let's say it's your stomach area that you feel the most uncomfortable with. Typically it'll be your solar plexus that's most connected to that. Or, or, um, I mean, it might be something like your hands or your arms, but still, like, if it's your left arm, maybe it's the heart chakra that's the closest. Probably either one. It's going to be the heart chakra. But just, it, again, this is just data for you to understand how this programming has been working in you and how it's affecting you. And it's all a unit that all works on triggers and reinforcement of the same beliefs underneath triggers. So... It's why I say triggers are an opportunity for anomaly because it's an opportunity to see a belief that has been influencing you and you can change it. So this is just an opportunity for you to get as much data as possible. So what chakras are closest to the areas in your body that you feel most comfortable with and most uncomfortable with? And then finally, what people or relationships give me a visceral reaction in my body, whether positive or negative? Some people we have a visceral like we we have a we might get butterflies in our stomach when we see them or we might feel instantly scared or just get a dark feeling or we're we're happy like they just inst- instantly like we feel our hearts opening up. This is something to pay attention to. This is what I'm talking about this whole course is for. It's for us to be so aware of what influences us in a positive way and what influences us in a negative way and not make one right and one wrong, but just simply ask ourselves, what do we prefer and not make our preference wrong? So what people or relationships give you a visceral reaction in your body? Some powerful questions to ask and sit with yourself. Now I want to move on to the mind. Those questions were for the body itself. And we're going to have similar questions But think of this in relation to your mind specifically. What focus has the majority of my thoughts? What am I continually thinking about? What's always sort of running in the back of my mind? And what belief is underneath that? 
when I asked myself this question, one of the things that came up is the belief that influences much of my focus is that I don't have enough time. And the more that I feel like I don't have enough time, the more I shut down. And this is connected, at least for me, and I know for so many people, it's connected to procrastination, which is connected to trauma. There's a huge correlation between trauma and procrastination. And we usually, lack matrix way, just punish ourselves for procrastinating. We're bad people and then create more New Year's resolutions and give ourselves more to have to do to try to have to earn. So our mind is in this this, um, psychic hypervigilant space. Because we have to, you know, figure it out. We have to be right or we're bad and we need to be punished. Punishment is another um, currency of the lack matrix. It's, it's one of the ways it works and functions. And, and some people get so addicted to punishment that they're actually in mimic because they're addicted to punishment. So really important to, to pay attention to what focus has the majority of my thoughts and what belief is underneath it. And I, I would suspect, especially when it comes, I would... I suspect, especially when it comes from the mind, that many of us are influenced by the belief that there's not enough time. I said it in the very beginning of the, in the intro of this course that time is a is used to manipulate people in lack, and and we also there's this idea that time is linear, which is not true. It has a there's an a perspective and a perception of linear time, but it is on the bigger picture part of cyclical time. So. Time and the idea that there's not enough time influences so much of what gives people anxiety in the mind. So just ask yourself for you, is it time? Is it something else? But what what focus has the majority of your thoughts? How does your primary focus, this primary focus that you've identified, feel in your mind? How does it make you mentally feel? Do you feel present? Do you feel in your body or outside of your body? Do you feel present or disconnected or anywhere in between? Do you feel um, scattered, anxious, nervous, or do you feel calm, collected, focused? Super important to ask yourself in relation to the mind. What And this is really developing a conscious relationship with your mind. Mental health is key. If one person is mentally unstable, it makes every human on this planet vulnerable. Mental health should be our top concern. I have so much to say about this, which I'll be saying a lot in my podcast this year. Mental health should be our top concern, primarily our mental health. That's why I'm saying pay attention to this stuff. Ask yourself these questions. Pay attention to what's influencing you. When people do things that you don't expect them to do, or when we have cases where people all of a sudden get homicidal or just random acts of violence, usually it's because something got into their mental space and influenced them to do it. The mind is where the battle is fought and it's where sovereignty is won. And I think this is why it's like, be one. Have your, have your mind continually renewed in Christ. Christ is the anointing. The anointing is a purpose, being set apart for the purpose of heaven on earth. Your mind can create anything you want. And it doesn't care what seeds you plant in it. It doesn't care if you plant poison or if you plant medicine. It will produce whatever you plant in it. And this is why preference matters. What do you want to actually create? What world do you want to invest in? 
I think for every villain in the world, for every archetypal villain, the actual most rebellious, villainous thing we can do is vote for heaven on earth. Every, like, no, no, no villain has ever done it before. Really, that's not true, because ultimately it's all part of one story, but you know what I'm saying. Sometimes the things that we think are so good and so right are actually the most detrimental to us. And we, we listen to it because we've been programmed and we're being influenced by the external, not the internal connection with God. This is super important. So what, how does this primary focus feel in my mind? And then ask yourself, what ideology or beliefs do I talk about and think about the most? What am I constantly talking about? What do I, a lot of times we can get sort of obsessed with something that we, we believe is so true and we like almost have to argue for it all the time. It's because our inner being is trying to say, just give yourself permission to believe this. But we feel angry because our programming has been so deeply and densely against that, that we feel like we have to fight for it. And so we often approach bringing new ideas and new concepts about in a very warlike mentality and we'll post things that are very warlike and all of it has a place. But again, going back to the question of how does it feel in your body? How, in this case, how does it feel in your mind? How does it feel inside my mind when I focus on these ideologies and beliefs that I talk about all the time? And how am I talking about them? Aggressively, calmly, like I believe that they're right here, right now, or like I believe I have to fight for them and they're far away because all of that represents what you actually believe and therefore what you're investing in. Super, super important. So these are some powerful questions to ask for your mind. And now I want to move finally into the heart. We ask questions for the body. You ask questions for the mind. And now I want you to tune into your heart. The heart is the wellspring of life. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, above all else, above all else, nothing more important than this, above all else, watch over your heart for it is the wellspring of life. The discernment is to protect our hearts more so even than our minds. All creative life force comes from the heart. All story in particular comes from the heart. The heart is connected to our own unique story, the meaning we're giving our experience. And so I want you to ask yourself, ask your heart specifically, what story am I telling about myself, my life, and the world at large? And it's not just what you're saying, but I mean, you're telling it by your actions. You're telling it by your what you watch, what you listen to, what you click on, especially what you like online. What story are you telling? Uh, when I asked myself this, I realized when, I, when 2020 first started and there was a lot of chaos going on, maybe it was 2021 actually that this is when I realized this, like a little further into all the chaos. Um, I realized that when I would get down certain rabbit holes and start trying to find out what was going on and who's to blame and what motherfuckers we needed to take down, I realized that the story I was living out 
by those actions and by that focus, which isn't wrong, but the story I was living out was I'm unsafe and there's some big enemy out there that's against me and I've got to take him down. That's how we get looped back into war. It's a trick. It is a complete trick. Not that there's not an enemy, not that there's not unsafe things, but in terms of the actual battle against good and evil, it serves both factions to have you more and more extreme, to get people more and more extreme on each side. So it doesn't, in other words, when it comes to the war, it's actually not about this side or that side winning. They're the, the puppeteering and the manipulation behind it is just to simply keep that black functioning, to keep the world of lack and the matrix of lack functioning. Because we have to keep ourselves to some extent divided and, and unaware that we have the ability to completely heal ourselves, that we have the ability to completely restore the planet. We have the ability that no human should starve. And we have to first know that within ourselves. We have to first reestablish our creative preference. We have to first evoke our will. There's so many things we have to do before we can go out into the world and do a damn thing. But we get caught in the war because we feel powerless. And then we go out and create war or go out in the energy of war, which creates more war. So even though our intentions might be so good because we really want change, we're actually falling right into the trap of mimic. Because it, it doesn't matter, even your enemy, even the complete polarized other side benefits from you being polarized on the opposite side. So the anomaly happens is when we transmute the war energy. And that's why I say making it way more about preference and less about this is the right ideology and this is the wrong one. This is, these are the good guys and this is the bad guy. No, what's your fucking preference? What's your preference? Why don't you explore what your preference has to offer the world? Your authentic preference, not the ones that are coming from influence of mimic, but your authentic preference because you came here to upgrade the world. Every time a new being is born, it's to get new data and expand more. So what story are you telling? (laughs) What story are you telling? What beliefs are under these stories? Now, this is the heart. I want you to ask your heart this, not your mind. Now, remember this about the heart too. The heart, as um, Blaise Pascal, Pascal, I think is how you say his name, says, the heart has reason which reason knows not. When we are approaching the heart, we are, it's not a logical thing. It is a deep, deep, deep aspect of who we are and the most vulnerable. When the heart stops, we stop. The heart is the first organ that's formed in the body. The heart is where everything comes from. It's a vulnerable spot. And when we ask ourselves this question, it's not, I don't want you to be logical about this. Like what beliefs, when I say what, what beliefs are under the stories you're telling? I don't want you to logically think about this. I want you to feel into your actual authentic beliefs. Because remember, what we authentically believe may not be what we think we believe. It may not be what our ideology is. It may have nothing to do with our ideology or our spirituality or our religion. Because a lot of us like agree mentally that maybe whatever it is that we believe, like that Jesus is God or that, I don't know, whatever we believe, whatever we believe, that, that um, it's this, this political party is good or, and the other one's bad or whatever, whatever we believe. That's from the mind aspect. 
But that may not have anything whatsoever to do. We may theoretically believe that everyone's worthy of receiving love, but we might not actually believe that. And the heart will tell you because the heart is where bitterness ends up growing like a weed. And when we have bitterness and resentment, we often underneath that, there's a belief that other people shouldn't thrive because we're not thriving. And that's how we reinforce that belief subconsciously that we must suffer until no one else is suffering. We hold each other hostage to these beliefs that hurt us, but because we're so deeply in this idea that we have to prove who's worthy of it. So really ask your heart what story is underneath the, or what beliefs are underneath the stories, the primary stories that I'm telling. Do your unconscious beliefs represent the world or reality you want to invest your creative energy in? And that's the biggest thing is once you realize, like for example, for me, once I realized I had this really core belief that I'm responsible for how other people feel. And I asked myself, is this a belief that I actually want to invest in? It was hell no. That is one of the most draining beliefs on the planet that has never brought about results that I feel like are beneficial in any way for either party. So it's a no. It's a no for me. Now, the practice of that belief has, I've have had to learn to finesse because I, initially I was very cold setting boundaries with people like, nope, deal with your own emotions. And I had to because I got too involved in the past. And so I almost had to swing to the other side and just be like, no, I, like I care and whatever, but I'm not taking it on. I've slowly, the last few years, especially, I would say the last five years, it's just been such a massive, massive growth for me. Um, and the last two years in particular, but I've learned to finesse it more and more and more to where I don't, I don't even have to abruptly shut the door. I don't have to abruptly push anyone's emotions out. I don't even have to abruptly push anyone's projections out. I can carry such a strong resonance of sovereignty around me that their projections don't get in, that they see them clearly. And one of the ways I did this is by putting mirrors, mirrors around my aura. I imagined the whole outside of my aura being having mirrors on them that were faced outward so that any projection coming towards me, you just see yourself. That people just see themselves. And I, I asked to be cloaked. So I cloaked myself and then put mirrors around me. And that has been really beneficial. The ones that have gotten in were blessings, as all triggers are, because they got in because there was some part of me still believing it. And now that I know I can just unapologetically pivot, softly pivot, it actually diffuses the war. The more neutral I am, the more it diffuses the war. And the people, this is one thing that I've learned is that the people that you can have a trigger with and you don't, it doesn't, it doesn't deeply, uh, get in and, and trigger, trigger you to the point where then you project back at them. And then you're just triggering each other because you're both so wounded the people that you don't do that with or that you can have a trigger with, that, but you can both lean into it and see yourselves and, and pivot internally, that's how you know that relationship is healthy. Even if your pivot makes it so you see less of each other or even go out of each other's reality for a while or maybe even forever, it still doesn't have to be in war. It can still be in psychic communion. You can still, every time you think about that person, and this is how you'll know whether or not you're in war with them or in psychic communion with them, even if they're not in your reality, because whether we like it or not, we're connected to everybody. So even if we push someone out of our conscious awareness, does not mean they're not in there somewhere. So it's not about just acting like they don't exist. 
It's about adjusting your perception of their resonance to where it no longer feels like a threat to you. And that a big part of that is can be very difficult for, for anyone to do, especially anyone who's deeply invested in the victim-aggressor-savior paradigm, because often we have to make them wrong and bad in order for us to feel justified with how we feel or to even feel justified in our boundary. So how you'll know where you're at psychically is how do you feel when you think about that person? And the the... the I think one of the most powerful places to be is when you feel neutral. And even especially when you feel, when you still want to bless, you feel like, I just hope they're doing well. I want the best for them. I want, I want, I hope they're thriving and I don't want anything to do with them. (laughs) That's the best place to be when it comes to really, truly clearing certain energies out, because there are some people that are just not meant to be in our reality, or they're meant to be there for a certain amount of time and not the whole time. But how we feel about them, and I feel like if you look back on your past and every friendship that you've had to end or everyone that's pivoted out of your life, if there's still sort of a negative energy with it, it means that some part of you is still psychically in some sort of tug of war with them or something's unresolved. And it may not have anything to do with them whatsoever. In fact, it usually doesn't. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it's conscious shit they're projecting towards you. But what I found is that most of the time, It's just simply that we haven't fully been able to release the like remnants of energy and entanglement with the war with them. So anywhere, especially if they hurt us or we hurt them or there's like, you know, someone had to be the villain in the situation, um, especially when there are other people who are conscious. I feel like for empaths, these are some of the hardest to clear out is when you know the person's heart or you were really good friends with them, or especially if you did really deep psychic work with them, it can feel even more confusing because their energy can be so deep in you. But really all that it is, is they triggered something so deep in you that you were a match to all along, which they represented. And so usually the deepest clearing out of these, um, like the small tentacles of our shadow contract actually just have to do with releasing ourselves from the belief itself, not from the person. And once we release ourselves fully from the belief, the person sort of just those last remnants of them just fade away. And then we can have a better feeling when we think about them. So also I want to say if there's someone really recent that things have happened with, then it makes sense that when you think about them, if there's still kind of negative energy. It could just be because it's so fresh. So, but I'm talking if there's past, past people that when you think about them, it still kind of has like an ouch to it. There's something to be cleared and it doesn't mean you need to contact them. In fact, I've, I've found that most of the time it doesn't. This is one of the biggest mistakes I've made in the past is trying to work out or like resolve a trigger with people who have already shut the door. It, because for them, all it does is re, bring up everything and then re-bring up the reason why you're the bad guy. Even if your intention is to try to clear things out or to try to understand something. And there are people that I found that just absolutely won't ever give you any valid reason or understanding for why they are treating you the way they treated treat you or why they treated you the way they did or why they feel the way they feel. And it's none of our business. That The biggest thing that has set me free is realizing it's also none of my business. It's none of my business. That is their business what triggers them, how it triggers them, the story they tell because of it, 
I think that for me, I, I, and I think this is true for so many people, is that when we're the villain in someone's reality, especially when we believe at a core level we have to be good, and where our whole lives is spent trying to be good and be the good one and be the good person and the good friend, that it can be really a hard pill to swallow that for some people you are the enemy. Period. It doesn't matter how much you try to appease. And, and the, actually what I found is the more I try to be the good guy, the more of an enemy I am in their mind. And so there's areas that you just have to let go completely. You just have to let them go. Now, this connecting with your heart and asking these questions to your heart is the deepest form of intimacy you can have with yourself. And the heart has reasons which reason knows not. So it is not logical. This is about witness. So when we enter into the heart and we ask the heart questions, I think what we're meant to do is witness rather than judge what response we would get. And the only reason we would judge is if we have to hurry and figure out what's right or wrong, good or bad. That is not when we're at the source, which is the heart. This is not the territory we're in. The heart is not bad and it's not good. It just is. I do really believe the heart is good, (laughs) but in the sense of the word that I think of as good. But what I mean is it's neutral because it can also be used as a weapon. And it can be influenced by things that are not our true creative urge. So when we approach the heart, especially if we have heart walls and barriers and wounds, it can be very triggering territory. It usually is. And it can trigger war. And this is why it's so wisdom is required. Discernment is required. Witness is required. So be really respectful of your heart as you approach it. Now, I want to say this last thing about the heart is that the heart is where all of our fault lines erupt from. They are where, um, so our unconscious beliefs represent the fault lines that our, our heart is kind of moving within, things that are suppressed, things that got in there that are not for us, but that have like sort of shattered our hearts or, or like ruptured things. And these fault lines that erupt from the heart when we witness them and allow, um, when we witness our beliefs and allow for the beliefs that we prefer, in other words, we actually start tending to our hearts and say, well, what, what world does my heart truly want to open up in? Because it doesn't want to open up any further in these densities of lack. So this territory is, is actually where you get all the data to where your fault lines are. And in fact, your core beliefs are where your original, it's interesting, the word fault line implies also fault. It's part of where the fault lies. When we talk about fault lines with other people and like our fault lines that connect us to other people and their triggers, each side, every side has a fault part. There is literally no such thing unless, and I'm talking with adult relationships, when obviously it's different with a, with a child and a parent, there is such thing like I hope you guys know what I mean here. Just use your discernment in what I'm saying here. But when it comes to dynamics with other um, co-creators, there is everyone has a participate participatory part in what unfolds. No one person creates the whole thing. And even if one person, person seemingly creates it all or is entirely at fault, it's because the other parties gave permission, which is their fault. That's the, that's their fault line. That's the origin of their fault. And so one of the most important things for us to do is just look where our origin of our fault line is. And for me, 
obviously the big ones are I'm not enough, there's not enough. But what I've realized relationally is where I've had the biggest triggers relationally and the biggest drains on my energy and the, the most confusing experiences have all been around where I believed I was responsible for how other people felt. That's my origin fault line. Another situation, another thing I realized, and we'll go through this when we go through shadow contracts, but um, when I have not, when I've looked at dynamics that I'm like, hey, where's my fault line? Where am I, where's my initiary participation in this experience? What in me instigated and was a match to this? What I found is, aside from I'm responsible for how other people feel, the other huge one, the other huge, huge, huge one for me is not listening to my initial instincts. And this one I don't I won't do anymore. I absolutely won't do because I've had one too many experiences where it the reason I didn't listen to my initial instinct is because I didn't see a valid reason not to. My instinct was just no, but then I was like, "Oh, well, this person's a good person and I want I want to be in this or maybe fear of being left out or whatever, doing it anyway and then having it backfire." And so I've learned through trial and error that Now, whether or not it seems logical, if my gut instinct says no, and that's my very first instinct, that's protection. And not it it doesn't necessarily mean that the situation is wrong or the people are not right for me. It just means I'm not supposed to be a part of that equation. And I think part of the um, codependent world that we've created is being so overly sensitive about being responsible for how other people feel is that we won't say no. We won't say no to people. We want to make them feel better. And so we'll say yes to things because we're afraid of saying no, because we're afraid of how it might make people feel if we say no, and we don't want to be responsible for that. So they kind of go hand in hand. And I'm using these two examples because I have a feeling that probably most empaths have these two things. I'm responsible for how other people feel, and I'm not allowed to listen to my gut instinct for whatever reason, if it's going to hurt somebody or if it's going to disappoint someone or if that's for me it's like often we don't say no because we're afraid of the disappointment that comes along with it so those for me are two gold nuggets I think most empaths who've been doing work on themselves know these two things but I I don't think you can be reminded enough and you might have different ones and so as you ask yourself these questions really find out like especially when you're working with your heart and we'll go through the heart, we'll go through body, mind, heart on all of these spells. But when you're working with the heart, looking at, okay, where is the origin of my fault line? What beliefs instigated my participation in this experience? And that, once we know, here's the amazing, incredible thing about discernment and wisdom, is that once we know what doesn't work, we can invest in what does. And we stay in mimic and we keep doing things that don't work when we believe we're not allowed to have a preference. We have a will. We're allowed to use it. What are you going to do with it? That's the main question to ask yourself. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want to dive deeper into your psychic creativity, check out my King of Wands workshop available on Thinkific. This audio course will help you dissolve your shadow contracts with the Lack Matrix Tap into your deepest psychic preference, learn how to give and revoke psychic permission, and unapologetically pivot your psychic energy out of lack and into abundance. This course is specifically designed to help you free your creative energy from lack. If you're interested in my YouTube content, classes, or any other ways to connect with me, 
Check out the membership options and other links in the show notes. Have a beautiful day.